reparations. What is it? Is it a good thing? You know, this voice just keeps popping up in my head saying, were we ever really free? Were there any good old days? When are things ever going to be because of us, by us, and for us? What's up, guys? It's Layton back with the Reparations Podcast. Today, I have another special guest with me, one of my closest friends. Barford, would you like to introduce yourself and, you know, what you do? Hi, my name is Barford Bwachi Walton. I'm a recent graduate of SOSA, which stands for School of Inquiry and Life Sciences at Asheville. Um, I'm an incoming freshman at NCAT. Go Aggies, you already know. Aggie Pride, you know. Um, and currently, I'm an economic development intern um, at ABCLT, which is Asheville Bunkham Community Land Trust, which is a nonprofit for um, affordable housing. Okay. Um. So, I know we're just going to get right into the interview. So, my first question, what do reparations look slash feel like to you? Well, reparations can mean many things. Um, as you know, there's been slavery in America, Jim Crow, segregation, oppression, um, years of oppression, which has created racial disparities, especially in Asheville. Um, there are big ones. A big one in Asheville is reading. Um, so these disparities are things that have been created from inequities and inequalities throughout the years. And by utilizing money, which like, I don't know if you know this, but like after slavery, African-Americans are supposed to get a lot of money in terms of like mules and acres of land, which would equate to a lot of money in this time because, you know, land and property builds equity which builds money over time. And home ownership is a form of wealth, which African-Americans struggle to have because they don't have the foundation. Reparations is a way to make life more equitable, like how you live more equitable in terms of money, community development, economic development, um, many different ways of making it more equitable. And that's what that's what reparations is to me. I, you can you can give out money individually. Um, it's possible. It can help people. Um, some people need to pay their rent, stuff like that, groceries, food, um, necessities, resources. But personally, I think the most the most effective and efficient way to address disparities is for community development, economic development, to make the community more um, cultivated through means of that in terms of like programs, you know, school programs, after school programs, um, parks, communities. There's many different ways, but we can go on and on for days. But that's pretty much what it means to me. Okay. Uh, you kind of answered one of my further questions, but, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, number two, in your view, what are the main objectives of a black reparations initiative and how do you think it could contribute to addressing systemic racial inequalities? Well, how I believe it's set up in Asheville is that almost everyone has to agree it has to be a majority, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think it should be that way because so I think how it should be created is you get community leaders, which I think is the model in Asheville. You get black community leaders from around um, and then you have them do like they're having a summit at UNCA soon. So you come to a summit to inform people about reparations and about racial inequities because some people don't know. So education is the the first and foremost thing. You have to educate people so they understand where the money is going to. Um, and once you educate people about reparations, it will allow you to have more support and more knowledge about giving out the money and dishing out the money. Um, racial inequities can be addressed in a multitude of different ways. But the way I would start would be, like I said earlier, economic development. Cause that's one of my majors in economics. So um, I think that because that's the study of money and like macro and micro, things like that. So if you're able to address like whole communities wealth, like if you're able to give a community success of wealth, like generation after generation, it builds. And so the longer you have wealth in the community, the, the longer the wealth gets, like the bigger it gets because it sits in the community. 
So that would be one of the ways I would address it is community development. Mm-hmm. So like as far as education goes, you know, there are a lot of public schools that are like still like they're doing their best. But what do you think the city of Asheville could do for those schools as far as like education and like black history and stuff like that? Well, actually, that's a good point. So um, in my years at Asheville High, I was in the REAP program, which is Racial Equity Ambassadors Program. It's a great program. You should try it. Um, basically, it's educating teachers and other admin and staff in the school system about racial equity and practice in the community or in the classroom to um, address racial inequities. Um, that's one of the things that can help with disparities. That won't really help with disparities, but inequities in the classroom, like like practices, like just saying hello to your students when they come in, make them feel welcome, um, addressing their culture, addressing race and racism in class. There's, there's seven different strategies. Um, shout out Copeland at ACSF, but um, she came up. We all helped come up with those strategies. But that was that would be one one way to combat the racial inequities in the classroom to address disparities. That's a good question. I know reading, as I said earlier, is a big thing when it comes to um, racial inequities. Um, so I would suggest reading programs, after school reading programs to help kids, especially African-American kids. Like the reading rate in Asheville for African-American kids is substantially lower than everyone else. Um, not for a good reason. It's because of disparities. It's because of um, oppression and years of um racial inequity because of that so it's a culmination of it and i always say to have like programs like that to help kids enjoy reading and help them learn how to read on grade level which is very important because if you cannot read literacy is one of the main foundations of life especially financial literacy but that's another topic though yeah i was actually shout out dr mullen i was at his house the other day Mm. and they were just talking about there was this one school and like the whole the whole African-American class, the literacy rate was 100%, I think. Mm. So, oh, okay. That's very... In Asheville? Peak. Academy. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I've heard Peak of Peak. Academy. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's like, there are steps being taken, but I guess there's just a lot more work to be done. What strategies would you propose to ensure that a black reparations program is both fair and effective in providing redress for historical injustices? I mean, I think you talked about that a lot but you know you want to shed more light on it you know going to well when you're talking about any type of committee or um form of legislative power you have to have checks and balances um it's important so i don't know how Asheville's works i have to do some research but um i do know that i bet since it's a committee they probably have a board and so they have to vote on it just having checks and balances to make sure that not one person doesn't have too much power not the will of the committee or the board or whatever um governing system they have carries out the will of the people also having representatives that represent the community, how the community feels. So maybe have communities select the representatives for the board. I don't know if that's how it's done here or where it's done at, but I feel like that would be an effective way. Um, have the board be selected by um, community, as in like voting, like elections, and then have a collective board that has to have a majority will because the, the money the money is not infinite. There's a, there's a set amount of money that probably can be spent. So you have to be careful with your money and how you spend it. And everyone has to approve on what programs and what interest they want the money to be spent on so i would just say um have checks and balances and have have elected um members and people that committed to the cause that want to that want to be involved with the with the movement right yeah so how would you fish those people out that are just doing i mean i would look at community leaders um there's an organization called test deck which supports community leaders because big thing about reparations is, is grants so i would i would i would say I would say really just find community leaders. Like if you're the board right now, look look for community leaders or ask community. Like do a poll, um, get out on the streets, ask people like who do you think would be a good position for this. Um, do some some fundraising, do some marketing, 
um it can be it can be simple it can be grassroots just find something that find people committed to the cause and anyone can be a leader if you have it in you anyone can be a leader so if you're committed to the cause and you put the time and effort in and you have the will to carry on even when it gets hard because it's going to be difficult it's not going to be easy i would say i would say just find people that are committed to the cause that's the main thing people that are willing to put in the work for the for the work yeah so how do you think reparations would enhance black owned businesses in the Asheville community well, actually, I was a part of one of my internships was with Black Wall Street. Um, so I know a lot about black owned businesses in Nashville. And so that's one of the places where they're trying to help black owned businesses in Nashville. I actually learned a lot about um, economics. That's where I chose my major economics and um, a minor in business administration. Um, I learned about how black businesses are needed to be in the community because black people are the biggest consumers. So since we are the biggest consumers, but we're not consuming from ourselves, it's actually um, damaging us. But if we have black business owners, for African Americans in the community to consume from at the level we consume from, it would it would it would boost the economy and boost African Americans' economy in general because it would encourage store owners, it would encourage more business, black business owners, and because we consume so much, it would be very very profitable. In my response to that question, I would say I would say grants to help black businesses get off the feet, help them get loans because sometimes they're predatory banks that don't give you good rates on loans, they don't give you loans depend on um, different circumstances. So I would suggest Self-Help Credit Union, which is a credit union that specializes in giving out good rates and loans to um, disadvantaged people and people that have been historically oppressed. Um, they give you better rates on loans and accounts and stuff like that. And so I would suggest Self-Help Credit Union to get loans for black businesses. And just I, if reparation funds were to be sent for it, it would be, I would say to give grants to help them get loans would be the main thing with grants and loans and self-help would be the three things. So um, as a college student, you know, how would reparations impact, you know, students who are going to college and uh, student loans? Because I know your major is mm -hmm. economics, like you've been saying, and you're going to A&T soon. So mm -hmm. what do you think that could do for? Well, everyone knows that student loans, of course, is the most is the most detrimental thing about college. It's going, it's going to have your pockets hurting. And one of the things you need to do, I think, with reparations would be to forgive student loans for African-American students. That would be number one. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing I can think of. Or also, it could be sent to our scholarships. So certain scholarships have to be, um, you have to keep a certain GPA. And so if you have that scholarship, that means you're doing well in school. So I would suggest that they either be sent for um, scholarships or to forgive student loans. So you either don't have student loans in the first place or you can forgive student loans because certain student loans are also predatory. So if you don't come, if you're a first-gen college student and you don't know what you're doing, you can have student loans that actually have a very high interest rate, more than what you need. And also, another thing with college students is that you could take out more money than you need to because you're not knowledgeable about what you need to know. So I would say those are two main things. Okay. Well, those are all the questions I have for Tay. Appreciate, appreciate you coming by. Of course. You know, doing this for me. Uh, well, well, that's it. Bye, Slater Mike. Shout out Ms. Garland. Shout out Nina too. Shout out all my guys. Um, thank you for having me. Um, Slater Mike. I'm Layton. I just sat down with my close friend Barfour and we talked about reparations in Asheville and what it means to him and his viewpoint on it. I affirm my existence in this world. I realize I am more than my circumstances. I love the skin I am in. I have the knowledge and the ability to achieve everything I want. I won't allow racism to distract me from my greatness. I deserve to move through life with ease. I reject societal standards 
that don't align with me. I define black excellence because I am black excellence.